Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Good morning, dear listeners, on this very chilly uh Day in North Dakota and the whole listening area. My name is Amanda Ellerkamp, and I am here with Kelly Schneider. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. We are coming to you live from Queen of Peace Parish in Dickinson, North Dakota. As I said, a very blustery day out there. So much so. So much. We can still see the the parking lot. We can see the parking lot. There's snow blowing, but a very westerly wind across it. But Mr. Ducart thought we were crazy coming in here this morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are you ladies doing out? And we said the radio beckons. We are here to spend a warm morning uh, on Real Presence Radio with you, dear listeners of our mm. of our area, as we are in the final week of Advent this morning. You know, hasn't it been? I, I read this somewhere this week, or I heard it. Maybe I heard it on Catholic Radio that. Having a full fourth week of Advent, how that doesn't happen every year, and it gives us an opportunity to really, to not have to rush the season so much. Mm. It it was really beautiful, and I don't don't think we think about that very often. I don't, because, right, you, you get out of school, and then you're on like speed mode. I gotta get, I gotta get this done. I gotta get, like Mm -hmm. everything has to happen. But this week is, it's a full fourth week of Advent. Yes. So I'm I'm not, I haven't looked ahead. I don't know what the calendar says next year, but I thought, okay, me hearing this is God's way of saying, yep, you need to just take a check this week and really remember why, why the nativity happened. Yes. So I think that's beautiful. I think it's something worth reflecting on. It is beautiful, you know, in the, in the church and her wisdom. You know, I just love the liturgical calendar and the liturgical season of how the church helps us prepare in very practical ways, mm-hmm. you know, bringing us to the divine, even though we're material beings, you know, of helping us to enter into, uh, you know, the splendor of our, of our faith and the truth mm-hmm. of our faith, like this, this beautiful time of Advent. Advent for me is, is one, I think my favorite liturgical mm-hmm. season, you know, and um, at the beginning of Advent, I remember uh, hearing a homily by one of our good priests, but talking about, you know, how the, our, our society, our culture is kind of the, tells us the opposite of what Advent calls us to. You know, mm-hmm. Advent is about um, slowing down and quiet, you know, and that preparation. Yes. And, and the season and our calendars are busy, busy and, and go, go, go with good things. You yes. know, yes. Christmas programs for the children and, and penance services and all, all the other things that are part of that and wrapping gifts for our loved ones. But Advent is about take a moment, take the peace, you know, so mm-hmm. to have, have the lights and the candles and a little bit of quiet is very, um, just very lovely this time of year in the midst of these very cold, <laughs> dark days. days and in the busyness. Yeah. And in some ways, mother nature too, right. Has called us to that just by the weather. Yes. You know, I mean, you, you can't necessarily hustle out and about. We were trapped inside during a snowstorm. Yes. Try, you know, so 
in some ways. Maybe that's just what, just what God needed of the world, of, of our part of the world yeah, at this point in time. Slow down you know? and to have some quiet and to yes. have some, yeah. So I was sitting yes. in, in the dark this morning and um, my dogs were all curled up sleeping because it's cold. <laughs> and I thought, you know, there's something about that, that hibernation, you know, that mm-hmm. like the slowing down and mm-hmm. the rest and the quiet and just, to, you know, to have a, a blessing, you know, of that, you know, for Kelly and I, we both work at a school, so we've got some days off now. Um, Christmas break delayed, though not denied, after we had to <laughs> come back after the blizzard to finish up the semester. But it, it really is such a blessing to have those days leading up to Christmas and then into the Christmas season, you know. Was, mm-hmm. Sunday is the first day of the 12 days of Christmas, you know, yes. to have all of those um, those things to prepare and to really celebrate well. So mm-hmm. it's very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we get all these days. Yes. All these days. Good. Very these beautiful. Days. Very good. Well, with, without uh, further ado, dear listeners, we are joined this morning by our first guest, our esteemed Bishop Kagan, the Bishop of the Diocese of Bismarck. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. I, I assume it's as cold in Bismarck as it here is here in Dickinson this morning. Oh, it's... This is seriously cold weather, yes. Yes, yeah, actual air temperature of like 25 below here, I think, this morning, and the wind is about 50 below, so... It's horrible. Yes, yes. It is horrible. It, it, it There's is, not a better word. It is. Horrible. It just is brutal. Even for those of us, uh, a diehard, uh, you know, North Dakotans who have lived here our whole life, we start to question oh, I know. why yeah. on days like this. <laughs> it's because of the worn people. That's what I told my husband. Yes. Uh, well, Bishop, before we get into uh, our interview this morning, I'm wondering if you would be so gracious as to lead us in a prayer before we go any Certainly. further. Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou thou among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now now and at at the the hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. Appreciate that. Sure. And thank you for being with us this morning uh, as mm-hmm. we are so close to Christmas and, and, and just enjoying, despite the cold temperatures, this fourth full week of Advent. Uh, And so we're going to be visiting with Bishop this morning, listeners, about uh, Pope St. John Paul II. Uh, And I was very excited to see this segment because that is probably my favorite saint when I'm asked of John Paul II. Um, And Bishop, you were at St. Peter's when he was elected in 1978, which I did not realize. Uh, Oh, yes, I was. Very exciting. So we wanted to chat with you about that this morning. So tell us about that. What, What were you doing there? Well, uh, I had been ordained a priest in 1975 and spent uh, my first two years of priesthood as an associate pastor uh, at St. Patrick's Parish in Dixon, Illinois, which just so happens to be the hometown of Ronald Reagan. And uh, early in 1977, my bishop uh, called me to the chancery and uh, said he wanted to send me back to Rome to study uh, canon law, church law, in the fall. And so uh, I left the parish uh, in the summer of 77 and returned to Rome uh, and began. Then it was a two-year course of studies, so I uh, 
I began my canon law studies in uh, the fall of 77, and uh, it just so happened that uh, I had uh, been, I'd completed the first year I was home visiting my parents when I saw the news on, on television that uh, um, Pope John Paul I uh, uh, had suddenly died after only about 32 or 33 days in in office. And so I, I told my parents, I said, you know, I, I missed St. Paul VI's funeral, which was in August uh, of 78, and I said I missed the conclave that elected uh, Pope John Paul I. I said I don't want to miss another conclave, and so by the time I was able to arrange to return to Rome, the funeral for uh, uh, John Paul I had already taken place, but they were making preparations for the conclave uh, uh, to elect his successor. And so uh, when there is no pope, the pontifical universities in Rome uh, cannot uh, conduct classes because uh, there there is no uh, the the uh, Petrine see is vacant and because they're pontifical universities uh, they uh, depend on on the Holy Father for you know their animation and so uh, a, a couple of other priest classmates and friends of mine uh, we decided we would just uh, go and, and wait in St. Peter's Square uh, once the conclave began, which it did uh, on the 14th. Uh, no, I think it was the 15th uh, was the first uh, vote. They took two votes a day. Uh, so we, uh, one in the uh, morning, one in the like late afternoon, and so that first day, uh, there were a good number of people in the in St. Peter's Square, of course, that can hold, you know, close to a quarter of a million people if you put everybody sure. close together there. Oh. And uh, the the smoke uh, from the chimney of the Sistine Chapel was clearly, very obviously, uh, black smoke. And so everyone, you know, departed uh, both uh, morning and afternoon. Um, uh, no pope had been elected, so we decided, well, we go back the next day. And so, sure enough, in the morning of the 16th, uh, they voted about the same time, and about the same time, more black smoke comes out of the Sistine Chapel chimney. And, and you know, some there weren't as many people the second day as the first day. And... Um, I think a lot of people were thinking, well, this is going to take a while. So, you know, by the time uh, we got back, uh, we went and, and, and ate lunch and then went back to St. Peter's Square. Uh, it was about an hour before the, the Cardinals returned to take their uh, second vote of the day. And uh, for some reason, it, it seemed to take much longer. Oh. And by the time... Uh, uh, getting close to when they would burn the ballots, it, it was rather dark outside. Uh, the Italian uh, Air Force uh, had set up these large spotlights uh, mm -hmm. uh, 
so everything was illuminated, the front of St. Peter's Basilica, the the back of the Sistine Chapel where the chimney is, and and uh, so all of a sudden uh, smoke starts coming out, and it, I think because of the brightness of the lights, it didn't really look white, but it it didn't look black either, so people were somewhat confused, so we're all just standing there waiting. And then all of a sudden, it was like this big puff of smoke, uh, white smoke, uh, came out. And, of course, uh, everyone was cheering, and I couldn't believe I turned around. We were standing up uh, very close to the front main doors of St. Peter's Basilica, so we had a very good spot. Uh, there weren't a lot of people when we got there anyhow. And all of a sudden, it looked like the entire city of Rome had just moved into the <laughs> St. Peter's Square. Uh, but then um, uh, Cardinal uh, Felici, who uh, was the uh, principal cardinal deacon who comes out to announce uh, the election of the Pope, he came to the balcony and uh, uh, announced in Latin, he said uh, in, in English, it goes... Uh, uh, I announce to you news of great joy. We have a pope. Mm. And, of course, everybody's cheering, but then everybody quieted down because we needed to hear who it was. <laughs> and so the way they uh, they announce it, they announce uh, his name uh, as a cardinal. And, uh, of course, he was doing this in Latin, but Boitiwa doesn't translate into uh, Latin, and so we got Carolus, uh, which you know that's uh, his given baptismal name. Sure. And he completely mangled Boitiwa, <laughs> and so we're there was there was this kind of dead silence in the the uh, oh. Saint Peter's. We couldn't. Who is this Charles? Whatever. <laughs> no one could fear who just was elected pope, and then someone came over the loudspeakers from Vatican Radio and said in Italian, he is the Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow in Poland, and then everybody started cheering, you know, of course. And then, you know, you see the picture of uh, St. John Paul II comes out uh, dressed as pope, and uh, uh, it was just a marvelous uh, experience. And... Uh, it's you know something you, I I don't think I'll I'll experience that again. But I, I God was very good to me and my classmates. We got to actually be there uh, for his election and uh, listen to uh, what he had to say. He, he, Saint John Paul II was quite fluent in in mm -hmm. several different languages, including English, and uh, he spoke. Uh, I, in Italian uh, for, I don't know, probably 10 to 15 minutes, and then it, it was quite nice. Uh, he uh, spoke in Polish uh, to all of his countrymen, who, mm. well, at that time, they were, it was still behind the Iron Curtain, so, mm. uh, but it was quite moving, and uh, uh, it was just a tremendous experience. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll remember it for the rest uh, the rest of my life for sure. Yeah, so phenomenal, Bishop. I just uh, just hearing you share that story, you know, I, that excitement. I just 
even watching, you know, I, yeah. following other um, elections that we've had since of, of Benedict mm-hmm. and Francis, just even watching it on TV, you know, is so phenomenal of, of two oh, women. Oh, it is, yeah. Um, so to be there must have been just incredibly exciting. And I, oh, I would imagine yeah. that particularly because, you know, the, his predecessor, uh, John Paul I, as you said, was not in office for, for no. very many days. That no, I, no. You know, that must have kind of changed perhaps the, the anticipation. You know, mm-hmm. like had recently it happened. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's many, many years until we have yes. another conclave. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it was, they referred to 1978 as the year of the three popes, which, of course, it was St. Paul oh, VI, yeah. Blessed John Paul I, and St. John Paul II. And uh, um, it, 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 it was historic in so many different ways, but, uh, and, uh, um, uh, but again, uh, it, it 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 was something unless you're you're actually there it's hard to describe it you know mm-hmm. it just uh, it, it, you have a, this great feeling of uh, joy reverence pride you know uh, in in our church and and how you know the church continues on as promised by Christ until the end of time and clearly the holy spirit uh, chose he chooses each of the popes uh, and inspires the electors to do that. But uh, he was certainly the right man uh, for the office at that particular time. And of course, you know, serving as as pope uh, for more than twenty five years, um, uh-huh. it it uh, it was a historic day and a historic pontificate in so many ways. Bishop, can you speak a little, I think you raised just a really good, a good point. And I mean, you tell this story so very vividly, so it's clear that it's imprinted on your heart and in your soul. But talk about what you said with regards to he was the right man at the right time. Um, you know, what was happening in the church. If you can just well, give some background there with yeah. the church and the, and the world and, and why, you know, why he, in, in your opinion, and, and, and certainly in the opinion of many, was the right mm-hmm. person for the right time. Well, uh, if, if, if recalling uh, what the late 60s into all through the 1970s, as far as... Uh, the what was going on uh, not just in the church uh, but in society and and uh, especially uh, in Europe uh, at that time um, Pope Saint John Paul II brought uh, a vitality uh, and a, a firmness uh, of purpose uh, with him from Krakow he uh, he uh, fought the communist regime there for uh, many, many years, and they weren't able to get the better of him. He bested them each time. Uh, but as far as the church is concerned, things were still somewhat in flux because uh, the council, Second Vatican Council, had ended in 1965, of which he participated as a bishop. And... Uh, 
you know, things uh, hadn't settled down. Uh, Pope Paul VI was uh, certainly persecuted by so many uh, uh, liberal ideologues at the time for uh, maintaining uh, the doctrinal magisterial stance of the Church, especially regarding uh, Humanae Vitae's uh, reiteration of the Church's constant teaching regarding uh, marital sexuality and the uh, 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 unacceptability of artificial contraception. And uh, that took its toll on Pope Paul VI. Um, But Pope St. John Paul II uh, fearlessly took up uh, where Pope Paul VI had left off and uh, really brought uh, a, a greater and greater clarity uh, to the Church about doctrine, about liturgical practice, about its uh, social uh, 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 concerns, uh, all of that. Uh, and um, he, I think he really... Uh, bolstered the confidence of, of all Catholics that, uh, yes, the Council uh, was right, the Council was necessary, and uh, we're going to follow what uh, the Holy Father uh, teaches and, and does. And uh, one of the great uh, things that, uh, among so many, that St. John Paul II did was bring uh, Cardinal Ratzinger from Munich uh, to the Holy See to uh, be the prefect for uh, the congregation for the doctrine of the faith, and, and the two of them were tireless in in continuing uh, to teach and and to reiterate the constant uh, doctrine of the Church uh, in uh, in in every way, every element of Catholic life. So, as I say, uh, he really, he was exactly what God wanted for us at that time, and uh, uh, he, no wonder he's a saint. You know, you, you can look over his life, uh, there's so much to, uh, to look at and ponder, but uh, uh, he, he's, he was, in a certain sense, the providential man at that time, chosen by... God the Holy Spirit for his church, and uh, for that we all need to be grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Such such a legacy, as you said, that he left us in his teachings, and then, mm-hmm. you know, bringing in, as you said, Cardinal Ratzinger, with, which became Pope Benedict Sixteenth, and, you know, and right. his great mind and wisdom and all that. So, Bishop, I, I know you can't stay with us for much longer, but as we wrap up here today, if you have a moment... What would you recommend for our listeners who might want to get to know this great Pope and this great saint a little bit better as far as books or his writings or, you know, even movies mm-hmm. that have been made about him? What might you recommend for our listeners? Well, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a great uh, advocate of, of reading exactly what the Popes write in their encyclicals mm-hmm. and apostolic letters and, and that sort of thing. Uh, George Weigel uh, did a very good biography of uh, Pope St. John Paul II. It's quite long, 
but he writes very well, and it's very readable. That I'd recommend. But if you want to get the measure of Pope St. John Paul II, I would ask people, perhaps they've already read it. If, if they have, that's wonderful. Read it again. And if you haven't, read it. Read his encyclical uh, on the Gospel of Life, Evangelium Vitae. Uh, it's not the only excellent encyclical he wrote, but this one uh, is, I, I would say, it's timeless, uh, especially in our own day now with all this nonsense with transgenderism and all that other stuff. Uh, to read that, this is what the Church teaches, this is what the Church uh, teaches because this is what it believes about uh, the human person as created by God in his image and likeness, and the person's destiny is union with God in heaven. Um, I think it's just, it's one of the uh, the epic encyclicals of probably uh, since the end of the Council of Trent uh, in the, the latter part of the 16th century. There have been great encyclicals since then, but Evangelium Vitae, the Gospel of Life, uh, it's very readable. Uh, I would just recommend that to anyone, and you'll come to understand better who St. John Paul II uh, is uh, as the Vicar of Christ on Earth. Yes, Bishop, thank you for that. He gave us so many great documents and, and great writer, writings, you know, and that being yeah. one of them of really, as you said, um, positioning us to understand our makeup as sons and daughters of God, right. of what we were created from, what we were created for, um, and I think that one really uh, puts into context some of his other works as well, of like Theology of the Body and on all those sorts oh, of things. Oh, it does. Yeah, um, of giving that much. foundation, you know, of, of the vision of the human person, which mm -hmm. is really beautiful. And like you said, just timeless um, for whatever we might be facing in our day and age. So I appreciate that. And we appreciate you being with us this morning, uh, Bishop. I loved hearing that story uh, and just uh, lifting our hearts up on this cold morning of, you know, being there in the church and the timelessness of the tradition and the history, you know, of being oh, in yes. St. Yeah. Peter's Square when that was announced and, and all that goes into that. So uh, just just really beautiful. Well, Wonderful. thank you. I, I, thank you I never to get tired speaking about those days in Rome, I'll tell you. Yes. Well, they're very, like I said, it was very vivid, Bishop. So thank you for recounting that story with us. That was oh, po powerful to hear welcome. that. Powerful to hear that. And we're, you know, Bishop in Dickinson here, I think, we're extra blessed, and you gave the blessing on Trinity naming the chapel, the St. Yes. John Paul II chapel, and just, yeah. you know, um, a, a saint and a hero for, for all ages and all times, and, and certainly, as you know very well, especially the youth, mm -hmm. you know, oh, how yeah. he continues to pray for and inspire the youth, and, and today, more so, because they're faced oh, with yeah. so much. Well, yeah, I... I I have great sympathy, and, and uh, uh, I pray daily for parents and their children because they're facing things I know my parents and I never had to face when I was 
you know, a youngster in the grade school and high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it's just a uh, kind of a sad commentary on our culture. Mm-hmm. Yes. It yeah, really and to is. remember, you know, in that universality and the community of saints of our faith that we can call on those intercessors, you know, that even though John Paul II did not live in this time, that he can provide great strength and guidance to the youth and to the parents. So beautiful for us to recall as well. Yes. 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 So beautiful. Well, Bishop, we thank you for being with us this morning. We wish you warm well wishes on this very (laughs) cold Thursday morning, right. and I hope that you don't have to go out and about much today and that you can stay uh, well, warm and well as we head towards Christmas. Thank you both very much. Have a very blessed and Merry Christmas yourselves. Thank, thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Same Bishop. to you. Same thank to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Listeners, bye, bye. Bishop. Listeners, thank you for staying with us this morning as we wrap up our first segment with Bishop David Kagan of the Diocese of Bismarck, uh, recounting for us how he was there in St. Peter's Square when Pope St. John Paul II was elected in 1978. We invite you, encourage us to stay with us, warm up your your hot cup of coffee or your tea on this morning. Uh, We will be back in our next segment to continue a conversation we've been having for several segments with months. Senior Thomas Richter as we continue our discussion of the discernment of spirits. So please stay with us. We will be right back after this break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 